Every inch, every square inch of his creation belongs to you, O God. We give you praise that on this day we belong to you, body and soul, in life and in death. We praise you for the beauty of creation all around us, for the changing colors of leaves, for the power of a thunderstorm, for the drenching rain. We thank you for all the ways in which you provide for us. And as a college this week, we thank you for the provision of our new president. As we pray for him this week, remind us to keep in prayer for him in the years to come, that you will be his treasure and his source his light and his life. Remind us, too, not to put our confidence in princes, as the psalmist writes. Remind us that you alone are sovereign. You are the one who rules. And our success or failure is only measured by you. And so we pray, gracious God, that we as a campus will be surrendered to you, surrender to what you have done for us, and to live our lives in gratitude. We thank you this week with the Faber family for how Doug was cared for so well this week. An event that was unforeseen, a significant health crisis, and you were there. You were there with students who responded and got the machine, the AED machine, and with a professor who had compassion, with campus safety and emergency responders, with physicians. We thank you, Lord, for all the ways in which you showed your care to him and in so doing, reminded all of us that there is no detail that goes overlooked with you. And we ask that as he is discharged today, you will restore him to full and complete health. Thank you for sparing his life, and may he live it like all of us to your glory. We lift up Ashley Tudor to you, who lost her father this week. We pray, Lord, that you will surround her family with deep and abiding peace. We thank you that her father's last words were one of hope and comfort in knowing that you were his Lord and that this is the legacy that he passes on. And so we lift up Ashley for you, to you. We lift up others in our community who are grieving. For those who've lost parents long ago, for those who've lost grandparents recently, for others who've lost siblings. Some of us walk around and, and we're just sad. And sometimes it helps for others to remember our grief. And so, God, we pray that your Holy Spirit will work among us as a community and prompt us to remember the grief of others, to stand with them, to be part of the blessing for those who mourn, that through us you will provide some comfort to them. And, God, we thank you that we are a community together who love each other well. We thank you that many of us who came here not knowing anyone have made good friends. We thank you for groups that we can be a part of, whether it's a dance guild or Bible study or an athletic team or a music group. Thank you for placing us in community and help us to never tire of inviting others in. We think this week about Unlearned Week. We think about National Coming Out Day. We think about people who are on the margins and need to be brought in. So God, help us to be compassionate toward those who feel that their very sexual orientation, their very race, puts them on the sidelines. Help us to be compassionate, to be good listeners, to be prayer partners, to be brothers and sisters 
with all. And we thank you, Lord, for this Sermon on the Mount that we are walking through together. And we pray that as we now turn to your word, that you will open it up, that we will have fresh ideas and insights because of you, Holy Spirit. And we pray all of this in the name of Jesus and all God's people say, amen. We're looking at the Gospel of Matthew, yes. Sermon on the Mount is found in the Gospel of Matthew. Page 787 in your pew Bibles. We're looking at Matthew 6, verses 19 through 24. Verses 19 through 24. Are y'all Bibleists back here? You have one. We got more. People got Bibles. Aaron's got a Bible. Aaron knows the Bible by heart. <laughs> Good. Who else? Anybody need a Bible? I, I do now, actually. <laughs> Wink. Can I? Aaron Winkle, everyone. Associate chaplain. So Matthew 6, and these sections are um, kind of broken up in an interesting way. So you have concerning treasures, the sound eye, serving two masters, actually all of the same theme. So those are the sections we're going to be looking at today. Here's what Jesus says. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. And that the light in you is darkness. How great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. This is the word of the Lord. So in December, a movie will be coming out that is the first of three. There we go. Tolkien fans in the house. Yes, yes. So The Hobbit is coming out. Uh, I didn't know it was going to take three movies. Apparently it takes three movies. Lord of the Rings, three books, three movies. It made sense. Hobbit, one book. Peter Jackson. So, The Hobbit is coming out. And how many of you have read or seen The Hobbit in some other form? You have some idea of the storyline of The Hobbit? How many of you are like, I can't believe she's talking about The Hobbit. I know nothing about The Hobbit. All right, outreach opportunity for everybody else. I see that hand. Yes, I see that hand. Okay, so The Hobbit is coming out. And in The Hobbit, there is a character that we are introduced to who goes through the whole Lord of the Rings who has a particular object to which he is completely devoted. He is devoted to this object. He centers his life around the object. He has a nickname for the object. The nickname of the object is? Frodo. 
Yes, with a symbol of S. Yes, that's exactly right. Precious. And you got to say it all creepy like that, so it makes the hair on the back of your neck go, precious. Right? Like that. That's how you got to do it. And the man, the man, creature's name is? Gollum. Spiegel, Gollum. We're calling Gollum in the house here. All right? All right. We're calling him Gollum. So what you see in the life of Gollum is what it looks like when a creature becomes completely consumed by an object. He doesn't know if the ring has evil powers exactly. He just knows that he needs it more and more and more and more. And it consumes his life. Now, it's very tempting for us to read this passage of Scripture and read what Jesus says and think, well, at least I'm not like Gollum, right? I am not that insane about anything in my life. But we can easily look at other people and say, I know some insane people. <laughs> people who take big financial debt on in order to purchase a house that they're not really going to be able to afford. That's, that's Gollum-esque, right? Somebody who graduates from college, has some debt to pay off, takes on even more debt to buy a brand new SUV because he wants to look cool going to his job where he makes $32,000 a year. Gollum-esque. Someone who spends a lot of time and money on cosmetics and looking good and may even pay money for someone to cut into her flesh so that she will, in her mind, look even better. Gollum-esque. And it's tempting for us to look out there because in here, most of us don't have a lot of money. <laughs> right? And in fact, just sitting here, we're going into debt. <laughs> right? So it's very easy for us to go, yeah, lots of people got problems. I, more money, no problem. I got no money, no problems. <laughs> it's very tempting for us to look out there and see people who have problems who are Gollum-esque, except for the fact that Jesus isn't only talking about money. Ugh. He's talking about treasure. He's talking about what matters most. I was talking to a student this week who said, you know what, when I was in high school, I was smart. I got to college, everybody was smart. <laughs> everybody was smart. Suddenly, like, the, the game was raised. He said, for the first time, I sat in a class, and I didn't understand something the first time it was explained. And I thought, what is happening right now? My whole career has been about being the good student, being the smart one, being the achiever, getting the praise of teacher and parents. And now suddenly, I may not be so smart. And some of you are experiencing things. For the first time, you're in a situation where you're not sure what to expect. You got midterms coming at you. And you're thinking for the first time, my identity as good student may be at risk. So a buddy sends you a Facebook message and says, hey, I have a friend who has last year's test, and he says he's pretty sure that this year's test is going to be almost exactly the same. Do you want a copy? 
This year, for the first time, when you take a quiz, you start to do things like this. This year, for the first time, you send an email to a teacher in which you say, I tried to upload the document to Moodle, but it wasn't working. So I'll get it to you in about 24 hours. Let me tell you something. Your professor receives that email and thinks, why didn't you attach it to the email? <laughs> for the first time in your life, your identity as good student is at risk. This thing that you have nurtured, this thing that you have gotten so many strokes for, so much praise about, for the first time, it is at risk. You're precious. If you are willing to cheat or to lie in order to hang on to your precious, that's where your treasure is. For others of us, it is money. In fact, when we're 30, we have certain financial goals that we want to have achieved. We want to have a certain kind of house. We want to be driving a certain kind of car. We want to have a home that has all the technological toys that will exist when you're 30 years old. You can only imagine. You want to have a house that has everything. You want to be well set up. And so you do the math and you think, if I want to be there when I'm 30, there are decisions I need to make when I'm 19. Like, I'm going to choose a major that has high earning potential. And so all that talk about vocation and finding your call and where the world's great need and your great passion meet, you're like, yeah, 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 what's going to make me some money? I'm going to have debt. I want to be established. I want to live a certain kind of life. And so you begin to investigate majors simply on what you can make. You hear that if somebody owns a patent as a chemist, she can make a whole lot of money in the long term. And you think, chemistry, I got a B minus on that in high school. That'll work. <laughs> and even though you spent the summer at a camp and you loved working with the children and you loved the idea of being at a camp counselor and you loved those just point, you thought there's no money in that. So even though every now and then your brain kind of wonders about, you could be a recreation major, you could, and you're just like, no, 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 no money in that. Focus on the money. If you, at any time in your life, tune out the voice of God so that you can have more, that's your treasure. And for some of us, it's comfort. Comfort straight up. You're sitting on the couch playing your video games. The room is completely dark. You are all alone. You're playing the video games. Someone live, incarnate, in the flesh, sticks his or her head in the room and says something like, hey, a bunch of us are going bowling and then we're going to Steak and Shake. Do you want to come? And you're like, no. Because that would mean you would have to get up off the couch and go and invest in human relationships, which are so complicated and messy. And who wants to do that? So you choose the ease rather than the adventure. 
Or you've been seeing somebody for a little while and it's been going really well, but suddenly there's a little bit of conflict, there's a little bit of disagreement. Let's say it's about politics is the season. <laughs> and you just have a little bit of disagreement and you think, well, this isn't worth the work. This isn't worth it at all. And so rather than doing the hard work of intimacy and understanding that you can disagree with someone and still love them, you just kind of chuck it because that's just too hard. Or when the first assignment comes back and you didn't do quite as well as you wanted to and you think, ah, I was going to major in this, but ah, it's too hard. I'm just going to quit now. I'm going to find something else. Because your key value in life is comfort. And so then if someone talks to you about spiritual disciplines or a life of prayer and says, hey, you know what? On our floor, we get together every day at 7.30 for prayer. Do you want to come? <laughs> no, because that would take effort and discipline and focus, and my treasure is my comfort. And suddenly, we get a little more stooped over and a little more shrunk down. And we begin to focus our energies more and more on the precious. And this is why Jesus says, look, people, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is good, everything's going to be okay. And we all go, oh, great, thanks, Jesus. That makes perfect sense. What Jesus is talking about there is the belief that they had that the eye actually illuminated as well as received light. And the idea that if you looked at the right things, it could shape your internal life. So if you looked at generosity, if you looked at what mattered most, if you looked at the big picture, it could shape you internally. In fact, some of you know the parable of the vineyard, which Jesus teaches just a few chapters after this one, where one person goes out and hires people at different times of the day, right? Nine, noon, three, five. And at the end of the day, he pays everybody what? The same amount. And the people who are hired first thing in the morning are not happy. They're not happy about this at all. And the line he says to them is this, are you angry because I have a good eye? That's the literal word. Are you angry because I have a good eye? That's not good eyeball or strike. It's good eye, generous. Are you mad because I have a larger perspective? Are you mad because I have a big view of the kingdom? I have a good eye. Some of you maybe uh, grew up going to Sunday school, and maybe you learned this little song. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, sing along, eyes, what you see. For the Father up above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Nice. <laughs> love the percussion. Thanks, Christian. That was great. That's what Jesus is talking about here. He's like, look, you live in a world where you are told to constantly look for more and more and more. Some of you may be familiar with the website Pinterest. You hear it, you know what's coming. So on Pinterest, what you do is you pin things that you are interested in. Pinterest. Some of you just got that for the first time. <laughs> you pin things that you're interested in onto a particular site. 
I was reading an article about this this week, and the person said, if the, the keyword on Facebook is like, the keyword on Pinterest is want. And so you look at different things, and you want, you want, you want, you pin, you pin, you pin, you want. And it can be as innocuous as, ooh, pumpkin muffins, pin the recipe. <laughs> or it could be as substantial as gorgeous mansion, I will someday live there. And it, it feeds this sense of, I can look and I can want and I can gather and I can imagine and I can play with my mind about all of this can be mine! <laughs> and our eyes become used to looking for more, to looking for the thing that we don't yet have that will make our life complete. And that's why Jesus says the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is full of light, your whole body will be full of health. So be careful, little eyes, what you see. And then just in case we haven't gotten it yet with the treasures and the eyes, he says, look, no one can serve two masters. Hello. No one can serve two masters. Either you're devoted to the one and you despise the other, you love the one, you hate the other. You can't serve both God and money. Are you listening? You can't serve both God and stuff. You can't serve both God and your GPA. You can't serve God and power, God and prestige. You only serve God. And the temptation is always there to say, it doesn't matter this time. It's my first midterm. I won't do it again. It's only until I really get established and then I'll become generous. It's only because I've had a really hard week and I just feel like being really lazy and comfortable now. And we have these precious things. And every now and then God comes up and he says it's time to get some perspective. We have some students who live in Colorado. And this summer, you may remember that forest fires swept through that area. And several of our students had to be evacuated. And one of them was Audrey Baker. And I've asked Audrey to come up. Audrey, everyone, everyone, Audrey. So Audrey, how much time were you given to evacuate? Um, my family was given about 30 to 45 minutes when we first were heard on the news that we had to evacuate. And later we found out after we had evacuated, it was only pre-evacuation. But when they keep changing evacuation lines by the hour, you don't wait. You just kind of pack and go. Just go. And what were the instructions you were given about what you could take? You were told to pack three days' worth of clothes, and then they were kept saying the five P's. People, pets, papers, prescriptions, and pictures. And electronics. <laughs> <laughs> Can't forget the iPad. Electronics. All right. So those were the things. And yep. so you had half an hour, 45 minutes. You had the five P's. Yep. And you didn't know if you would ever see your house again? Nope. So what did you take? Um, I remember going to my room, grabbing my suitcase out from under my bed, and it was like three days worth of clothes, and so I grabbed two shirts, and I go to my closet, 
And next to each other, I had my Calvin t-shirt and a t-shirt from high school. And I was like, oh boy, which one do I grab? The high school t-shirt or the Calvin t-shirt? And I think I ended up grabbing Calvin. But it was like, yeah. It was like those quick moment decisions. It was like, you have to give up one. You can't take both. And I remember looking around my room one last time and looking up at all of my books from childhood. And was like, well, I have to leave those. I have to leave all my stuffed animals, make sure I grab all of the pictures put it in the car, sit with the dogs, and then we drove to my grandma's house. Mm -hmm. And what was it like to drive away from your home that day? It was, it was just this weird twilight feeling, because I had remembered that night, we were even talking with our dad, because people kept calling us, and we're like, well, if you get evacuated, you can come to our house. And we kept saying, oh, thanks, but we're not going to get evacuated. We are too far into the city, and it will be fine, and then... Lo and behold, God was like, oh, really? Well, watch this. And so it was just this really like weird feeling, but it was also calming. So it was like, well, it's been nice to live here. If I come back, that's great. And if not, I think I'll be okay. But I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So. And then uh, you went back. Yes. And what did you find? Well, our house was okay. Um, it, the fire didn't burn out of the Mountain Shadows neighborhood, um, but there was lots of like big pieces of ash in our yard. Um, and it smelled, the outside smelled smoky just from all the smoke that had settled during the evening, but our house was okay. And what about the houses of some of your friends and family? I think my family knows 30 fam family friends that have completely lost their houses. They, one family has their Pyrex measuring glass and the like, things that you use to dye Easter eggs, that is what they have. Because that was rescued from the mm -hmm. ashes. That's when they went back to sift through the rubble, that's what they found. That's what they found, yeah. And what's been the lasting effect for you, having gone through that this summer, and then host, you had hosted people in your home mm -hmm. this summer who were homeless, and what, what's all that done? Well, it's put a different like view on things. Like when it was time to come back to Calvin, I was packing up and I was like, I didn't grab this shirt when I evacuated. I don't need it. That can go to Goodwill. It was really easy to pack light and come back and just get rid of t-shirts and jeans and other things. And like one point this sem semester, I got tie-dye on my jeans. And one of my f and I was like, ah, whatever. It's tie-dye. They're jeans. And one of my friends looked at me and was like, how can you be okay with that? Like, they're ruined. And I was like, no, they're not. I can still wear them. They just have character now. <laughs> so. Yes, yes. And, and as you're now a few months away from this experience and your friends are still in the process of rebuilding and going through all the insurance claims and uh, what's kind of a, the lasting impact? That, what do you see God up to in your life and the lives of some of these other people? Well, we have friends who lost their houses who believe in God, and they have this overwhelming sense of peace. Like, one of them, when we went to visit them and bring them some food, they were like, you know, I'm doing okay today, but when we evacuated Sunset Summer, I didn't grab my socks. And today I cried because I don't have a pair of socks, and that's just what broke me today. But it's okay. And then I have some other friends who are still kind of in a daze, and they don't know what to do because they've completely lost everything mm -hmm. and they don't have God to fall back on. And seeing just that stark contrast is pretty amazing to be able to see that God's like, ask these people, he's like, I asked you to leave and you've lost your house, but I'm here to catch you and I'm holding you and you'll be okay. Mm -hmm. 
and the fact of the reassurance that these people have is pretty amazing. Because mm -hmm. they're treasures in a different place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great. Yeah. Thank you, Audrey. Yeah. Let's thank Audrey. Sometimes God just comes in and says, we're gonna reorient. We're gonna give you a big perspective. We're gonna tell you what's most important. T-shirts fall down, and jeans and stuff falls down. We actually have a committee at this college called the Planning and Priorities Committee. And it's their job, really, to be sure that our treasure is where the heart of Jesus is. The treasure of our time and the talents and the donations of other people, the tuition dollars, that these are all spent wisely and well. Because the discipline of having your treasures properly oriented is a communal one. So what would it look like in your life if you set up a planning and priorities committee? And you said to your friends, I think I'm attached to some of the wrong stuff. I think my priorities are out of line. I need you to gather around me and pray with me over this so that I can be reoriented and my treasure and my heart can be aligned for the glory of God. This is what we do as community together. We acknowledge the fact, you know, when she was talking about the GPA, when she was talking about money, when she was talking about comfort, that I need help. And as a community together, we're going to pray for the Planning and Priorities Committee of this college and the president and his cabinet because they have hard choices to make. We have no idea what's going to happen in 5 or 10 or 15 years. We don't know what kind of things can just come along and reorient our lives. And what we most want is for Calvin College to be a place where our treasure and our hearts are for the glory of God. What would that look like? What would that change in you? What would that change in us? If we said, God, we're not going to serve you and we're going to serve you. I'm going to serve you. Where your treasure is, Jesus says, your heart will be also. So store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where nothing can touch them. And you are centered on the triune God. Will you pray with me? Our God, we praise you for knowing us so well that you come alongside and say, I don't want you to become Gollum-esque. I don't want you to become so absorbed by something else that you become small and shriveled and consumed. I don't want your eye to be full of darkness. I don't want you to be stingy. I want you to be full of life and light. I want your treasure to be in heaven where it matters. And so, God, we ask, as a Calvin College community, your blessing on the Planning and Priorities Committee of this college. Give them such wisdom. Give them such peace knowing that as they follow you, you will lead them into all truth. And we pray for us, as we have good and hard conversations with the people we love, that we may reorient our priorities because you want the best for us. 
You are not a stingy God. And in the gift of Jesus Christ, we see your generosity on display. And so we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for that gift. And we give our lives back to you for knowing you, Jesus, is better than anything else. And all God's people say, amen.